podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Phillips Laven of the 1012 Podcast here. Have you been listening to this show for a while and thought, you know, if that guy can do this, then so can I? Well, you're, you're probably right. And it's worth giving a shot. The one question you're going to ask yourself is, how do I get my podcast out for everyone to listen to on iTunes, on Spotify? Well, you're going to need a hosting site. And if I may make a suggestion, go with Anchor. It's easy and it's free, which is great for podcast hobbyists uh, who aren't exactly expecting this to make a lot of income, especially starting out. Anchor is fantastic. Anchor by Spotify is the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need in one place. It has the tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And when hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your show on listening platforms like we mentioned Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. And again, it is totally free. It's fantastic. It is what we use. And if it's what we use, it's what we're going to suggest to others. So download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Again, that is the Anchor app or anchor.fm to get started with your podcast. Welcome to the 1012, the podcast that covers all 10 teams in the Big 12 Conference. I'm your host, Philip Slavin. Thank you for joining us for our second to last special bonus pod series that we call Sell Me On, in which we are going through the eight remaining Big 12 schools and looking at what each one has to offer to a potential new home in another power conference. Uh, We have done six so far. We've touched on Oklahoma State, Iowa State, Kansas State, Kansas. Texas Tech, TCU, and uh, yeah, that leaves two to go. And today, I'm very excited to have our good friend Brandon Phoenix, aka I Also Hate Pitt, uh, and one half of the Raspy Voice Kids podcast, the West Virginia podcast of the 1012 Network, joining us here to sell us on West Virginia and the Mountaineers. Brandon, welcome to the show, man. Thanks for having me. I always like to join you. Hey, man, I, I'm, I don't know if I've said this enough, but I am... So excited to have a West Virginia show as part of the network. I am beyond thrilled to have you guys as our West Virginia show as part of the network because it just means I get to bring you and your brother on all the time, which is uh, you guys are going to hate us by the end of this, but I'm loving it. No way, man. We love it. It's going to be great. It's going to be awesome. Uh, okay, so let's just dive right in. Let's let's start right with the the question of these uh, of these kind of special edition. I never know, like bonus special, whatever, of these episodes that we've been running through. The name of the other power conference aside, just what does West Virginia have to sell as far as trying to find another home outside of the Big 12? West Virginia offers a very balanced football and basketball uh, program. They have had success on the court. They've had success on the field. In fact, in football, they're their 15th winningest program in the history of college football at 761 wins. Only one team in the ACC, for example, has more wins uh, as an active member. That's Clemson. So West Virginia brings winning tradition. They bring um, success and they bring a name, maybe not the highest of marquee names, but certainly a name as far as college football and college basketball are concerned. Bobby Huggins would be the second winningest coach in the ACC if they were to go there. 
Uh, basketball then would be a good representation for what West Virginia has to offer in the ACC. Um, the other thing that a lot of people don't realize is even though West Virginia only has 1.8 million people in the state and it's shrinking, there are so many Mountaineers spread out throughout the country. So while TV ratings in the state may not be something that you're interested in because it's just not enough of population, uh, the streaming numbers are much better than what people would think off the top of their heads. Um, another thing that's important academically, West Virginia is an R1 research institution, something that they were not classified as the last time we had these big conference realignment issues. And academically, they've made major strides, leaps and bounds better than what they were in the past. They've also dumped $55 million into their athletic facilities as far as football is concerned, up there with some of the best in the nation by all accounts. So they bring really a lot to the table, a lot more than what people recognize. So I've been looking through some different stuff, and uh, I'm going to keep mentioning this guy, Zach Miller, because I think he's doing some really good work. Um, I think it's at by Zach Miller, Z-A-C-H, Zach, on Twitter. And he's got a, a, a collection of his work, ZachMillerSports.medium.com. He's done a good job of, of kind of – he put an article about ranking kind of the brands of, of college football, which are viewed as the most valuable, and he did TV numbers. Um, and so his numbers were from 2015 to 2019 because 2020 was weird. So we, we key through those numbers out. And I think that's a correct way to do it. Uh, we can throw 2020 in because people did watch. They couldn't go to the games. But I think 2020 numbers are skewed because of COVID and are weird. So I appreciate him kind of pulling those numbers out. So from 2015 to 2019, as far as TV numbers go of, of college football, West Virginia ranked 30th. Um, with an average of 1.27 million viewers um, over that time period uh, per game, which, and I'm going to use this as the, the reference point because this is the conference everyone always talks about in relation to West Virginia and the ACC, that would put them at fourth in the ACC yeah. behind Clemson, Florida State, and Miami, which are obviously the three biggest brands. Um, one spot, I believe, ahead of Virginia Tech, but, but fourth behind the three marquee brands in the ACC. And I, and I bring that up because, I mean, look, the SEC, I think, is actually the perfect fit for West Virginia. I understand the rivalries aren't there, but as far as mindset about college football and college sports, um, I think a lot of other ideologies, like the SEC is is the perfect home for West Virginia. But I, I, I don't think, I, I think most West Virginia fans would want to go to the ACC because that's where their rivals, uh, historic rivals are. And I mean, the SEC, I mean, we look at what they're doing. They're adding OU in Texas. And I don't mean this as a shot at West Virginia. That, that's not what they're looking to add right now is a West Virginia. So the ACC makes the most sense. ACC, every time they've had a chance to add West Virginia, has, has said no um, for whatever reason. And, and we can talk about that in a minute. But I mean, honestly, what like, like, I'm curious from your side. Why, why do you think the ACC has turned down West Virginia? Academic elitism. I think more than anything else, uh, Tobacco Road was not real big on having West Virginia come to the party. There were also some, there were also people who said things about our fan base that they were too rowdy, they were too raucous, um, and that they were actually dangerous. There were, then I can't argue that because at the time, in, in years past and decades past, there were incidents of terrible fan behavior, um, dangerous fan behavior. I don't think that holds up anymore. I think since we joined the Big 12, it's been a real push by Oliver Luck and then Shane Lyons to reform that identity of fan base, to reform the identity of the program uh, from just moonshine drinking, penny throwing, battery blasting, 
fans to more respectable, more hospitable people. And I've experienced that in my visits to the stadium, to Morgantown, whether it be at the Coliseum or whether it be at Mountaineer Field. It's a completely different thing now. I, I also think that there are, and I'm not an insider, so I don't know, but I, the impression I've gotten is that there are people who are like, West Virginia is just another mouth to feed. There's not, it's not going to generate the revenue that they want to generate. And I see that, you know, taking the fan blinders off. I get that. I get their perspective. Um, but I, I, the TV numbers were surprising to me being 30th, the average fan attendance for 2019, we were 20, we were 27th. That surprised me, which is ahead of most of the teams in the ACC significantly. Um, so I don't think all those things stand up anymore. And then the other thing that changed, for, you know, like I mentioned earlier, West Virginia is now an R1 research institution. Um, and the ACC, if they're worried about academics, that is something that West Virginia can say is different than what it was before. But also with North Carolina scandals, academic scandals, academic fraud, I don't think they can have the same kind of attitude that they've had in the past. But I think those are the reasons, you know, those are some of the reasons, academic elitism and issues with the fan base. So I, I, I tend to play devil's advocate of it on these episodes. Um, and I want to make sure that's understood for any West Virginia fan listening, because I want you to understand, like, I love West Virginia. I love that you guys are part of the conference. Um, on my list of the big 12 schools, I have yet to visit, but one, two, like West Virginia is right there with Iowa state. Um, it's a lot, <laughs> it's a lot more expensive to go to. So I probably not sure if I'm ever going to get to, but like, like I, you guys are the fun drunk uncle that everybody wants to hang out with at the holiday party. And I, and I mean that in the most like endearingly lovable, like I want to be the fun drunk uncle that everybody wants to hang out with at the holiday party. Um, so like, I, I understand why West Virginia fans aren't just enamored with being in the big 12. I understand the issues of geographic fit from a recruiting standpoint, from a travel standpoint, from a complete lack of, of any real history between the West Virginia and the Big 12 schools beyond just, you know, the last decade plus of being in the conference. So I, I get all of that. Um, so I, I want that all to be understood before I, I say what I'm going, going to say. And, you know, from a football standpoint, um, West Virginia has history of being very successful. They have a long history of, of, of being a very good football program. And really in the, in the, in the, in this century, I mean, you had three straight seasons of 11 wins between Rich Rod and Bill Stewart. Um, Dana Holkerson had a couple of years of success. But it's it has felt since the – I have seen the argument made that too much of, of West Virginia's success came during a Big East that was mediocre or bad uh, as opposed to since they got to the Big 12 and, and they have struggled more. But, I mean, I can argue the same you – know, like what is how do you guys counter the argument of like West Virginia had one really good season in the Big 12 with with Dana and outside of that has been you know middle of the pack no better off than a, than a Kansas State or or a, a TC or a program like that like how do you guys look at that as is that a fair argument and judgment against West Virginia or are we is that just something people are using to to like knock West Virginia down No I think that's fair I I my art, my counter to your argument would be Dana Holgerson, I don't believe, is a power five coach. And I didn't believe that before, mm -hmm. but the comments he made about when he went to Houston, he said, we just weren't going to get kids into West Virginia that could win on the Big 12 level. That told me everything I needed to know about his mentality when he was coaching the program. 
You cannot lead a successful program when your mindset is defeated, is defeatism. That's a word, right? Defeatism? Yeah, Maybe not. I'll, I'll allow it. I'll allow it. I'm going to use it. I'm going to use it. Defeatism. Like it. We're going to coin it right now. It'll be on, it'll be in the dictionary <laughs> soon. And defeatist, whatever you want to say, if you have an attitude where, you're, where you've lost before you start, where you don't recruit kids like Darnell Wright, when you don't recruit kids like Doug Nestor, homegrown, four- to five-star offensive lineman that you literally just don't put the effort in to get, when you don't recruit a kid like uh, – oh, and it's Brennan, Brennan – uh, what's his name? Uh, he's a tight end. He's at, Penn, he's at Penn State, and he went to my alma mater high school, and I still can't remember. I can't remember his name right now. But you can't win when you don't go after kids like that. You don't even put in the effort for them. So what I would say is that West Virginia has had success with multiple coaches. It's not like a Bill Snyder thing at Kansas State where all of your success built on one guy's career. Instead, West Virginia has shown that they, as a program, can be successful with different people leading the charge. Dana's best year when he won the Orange Bowl was with Bill Stewart's players. He won 10 games with Skylar Howard, um, but really should have done better. So even though I think there's some legitimate, like you make legitimate points about the fact that it was a watered down Big East, I also think that what they're telling kids now, what they're preaching to themselves, is we've been successful in every era pretty much of West Virginia football, no matter what conference we've been in, whether we've been independent or otherwise. And that will continue. And I think that's the case. Uh, Britain Strange. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> okay. How can you forget that last name? Um, I don't know. We interviewed him too. I don't know how I forgot that. I mean, I to some extent, like, there have been some bad hires. Like, I, I don't think Bill Stewart was a great hire. Um, people thought Dana was going to be a good one. And I don't, I don't think he, if you really asked if, like, at this point, is he a top 50 college, like, college football coach like i don't think so um is he like so you you throw that out and now you've got a guy who i honestly think is a top 50 college football coach a top 40 a top if we want to break down to top 30 i'll, I'll go there i'm not sure i'm gonna go higher than that but like like because we need to see more but i i think neil brown is a darn good coach and i think he can get west virginia to back to where they are winning consistently I almost think to some extent, again, I love West Virginia Big 12. I have I have wondered for some time if being in the Big 12 has hurt West Virginia. Not because they needed to be in a Power 5 conference. You guys wanted that spot. It made sense. Um, whether it's a perfect fit or not, it, it was a certain like West Virginia needed a home. The big 12 needed a school. This is, this is the marriage that was born, whether it's a perfect marriage or not. I mean, I think, I think, but I have to ask if like, has the big being in the big 12, yes, it's benefited by being in a power conference, but has that hurt West Virginia because of being the geographic outlier and having to do things differently than everyone else in the conference kind of does? I would say yes, but the caveat is, with football, it's one game a week. So even when you're going on road trips, it's not as brutal as, say, basketball. Basketball, it's brutal. It's, it's really bad. And the basketball team has had far more success than the football team has had, despite being in this conference. So I don't like to make that kind of an excuse personally, even though I can see where you're coming from. Um, and then, of course, the money. The money was just we could not live without that money as far as a football program's 
turn. It's the lifeblood. Uh, it's the thing I'm the most afraid of losing if we end up in the AAC. It just puts us back in the dark ages. Yeah, I mean, and, and you make a good point on basketball. I could I could go one step further and say the women's soccer program showed up and dominated the Big 12 for like eight, nine years in a row and we're fine. Um, so, and but you could also argue that's power five. But I mean, like, no, it's part of that's they have you guys have an, an amazing women's soccer program. It's it's fantastic. I love it. Um, so I, I'm I want to get a little advice from you on this point because I feel like West Virginia fans are having it's that scene. Or if you've seen the the GIF or the meme of James Franco where he's got the noose around his neck, around his neck, or neck, and he looks, and he's just like first time. Um, which yeah. is, by the way, I forget the name of the movie, but it's a great movie. Uh, it's a ballad of um, oh, it's a Coen Brothers movie. I can't think of the name of it. It's a bunch of random little Western shorts. But but James Franco in the situation is West Virginia looking at the rest of Big Twelve going first time because West Virginia's been here uh, themselves a little over a decade ago. I mean, I'm I'm curious though for like how does it feel to be back here like as West Virginia fan base like is is it more stressful this time is it as weird sense of deja vu or are you guys just like, all right, well at this point, you know, whatever happens happens. And it's, it's been a good run. Jeremy, my brother, AKA Jay and Fiend, he always says he, he's famous for saying always my team. It's always my team that has the problem. It's always my conference. It's always whatever affects me is what he says. <laughs> and so here we are again, it's always us. And yeah, it's, it's different this time. I, I would say, I was happy with Oliver Luck. I thought he was a very competent athletic director. I didn't like all the moves he made, but the one getting us into the Big 12 was the most important thing that he did. That's his legacy as far as I'm concerned. Um, but I think we have a better AD this time around with Shane Lyons. He's more connected, especially with the SEC and ACC. Spent a lot of time in both of those conferences, has a lot of relationships. Um, and I also am more comfortable with the president we have, E. Gordon Gee. Again, another man who's connected, another man who is um, very savvy when it comes to these kinds of things. Having said all of that, it's always scary when you're standing at the edge of a cliff because West Virginia doesn't have if – you're, if you're Texas, Texas could go independent. If, if nobody wanted them, they could be independent. Oklahoma probably could survive that, but not on the same level. Um, Ohio State, Notre Dame, those places, they can do what they want and they'll be successful. West Virginia stands at a disadvantage at pretty much every turn. Geographically, um, population-wise, we haven't had recent success, not major recent success. So it's a little scary. When we first got the news that Texas and Oklahoma were leaving, I was confident that we would be in the ACC this time. Because of what I mentioned, like North Carolina's academic issues, the fact that they let Louisville in, who's not a, known as a powerful academic institution, but as time goes on, I feel less and less comfortable. Not that we should know anything yet, because as we know, we call what happened with Texas and Oklahoma fast moving. And that only that took six to seven months at least. Right. Yeah. And so to think that we would know something about what kind of a conference West, West Virginia would be in in a matter of weeks is absurd and naive and wishful thinking on our part. But it does feel different this time. Yeah, I, I've gone through about every stage of, of grief. Um, I sit here today, and I still feel like the eight remaining schools are going to end up kind of stuck together and having to figure out 
how to add and what to do moving forward more likely than any schools end up anywhere else. And and the news that we got on, on Friday, I'm not sure really adds to that because I'm, I'm not sure how much to take from it yet, but I, I want to talk about it. And obviously that's uh, the athletic report that the uh, the Pac-12, Big Ten, and ACC are, are talking about some sort of, I'm going to throw up air quotes, alliance, because, you know, it's, I guess that's the word to use. And I know they talk about scheduling, but this isn't, it's not about scheduling. Like I, I don't, and a scheduling alliance is only going to do them so much. It's, I mean, I, I mentioned the Zach Miller guy. Um, he did a really good article looking at like how much money that would actually make them. I think it's like, it's just under like 3 million a school across those three conferences extra on top of what they already make. It, it wouldn't make compared to what the SEC is going to be getting. Like it's a drop in the bucket. It's still not going to get them on that playing field. So it feels more like a power move in an attempt to make sure that the SEC doesn't dictate the, the the next steps of college football on their own without other people having a, a stronger say in making sure that, it, it, that the SEC doesn't. But I am curious from the standpoint of those three conferences, what if, if they have decided this is what we're going to do, if that is what happens, and I, I, I I'm, I'm, I'm going to carry around a very large grain of salt when convert having this conversation because it's super early and, and I just I'm just like that's just mm, I get it from all parties involved. But does that have an impact as far as how you feel about the ACC ex- expanding? Because it does feel like like West Virginia would would go to the Pac-12 if they offered them Power Five money. I get it, but obviously that's not ideal, and I, I don't see that as something that the Pac-12 would do. Uh, I don't. The Big Ten doesn't have to expand, so I'm still not entirely sure they're gonna. And I don't think the ACC will because I don't think ESPN is gonna let them. But that still makes the most sense as far as a landing spot for West Virginia is the ACC because of the the geographic um, rivalries. But I mean, does this talk of a potential alliance between those three have any effect on how you feel about things? Yeah, I mean, it, it made me feel like we're getting squeezed out again. You know, we're being excluded again. I don't know how legitimate any of those rumors are. Yeah. You made, you made, you know, the point that it doesn't make them enough money for it to, to sound like a slam dunk for, you know, definitely not a slam dunk. Um, but I just kind of been rolling with it. I, I, I haven't been angry about it. I've kind of just accepted that this is who and what we are. And it doesn't feel great to say that. And we do have some arguments to make about our value and our relevance, but this is who and what we are. We're at the mercy of other people. If we get into the ACC, more than likely it'll be tethered to Notre Dame. And I don't see Notre Dame joining a conference. I don't see why they would. You and I have talked about that. I've heard you talk about it extensively. I just, and I've said that forever. I don't know why the Big East made a, had, had an alliance with Notre Dame in the past. Now the ACC has a similar arrangement where their members in every other sport except for college football with the idea that if Notre Dame ever joins the conference it'll be your conference and I just think that's a very foolish thought process you get what you can get out of Notre Dame but to think they're going to join a conference is just it's crazy to me and I don't think they're going to do it to benefit West Virginia that will never happen <laughs> they're never going to say well you know we don't want West Virginia to die off so we'll <laughs> in, in memory in honor in the honor of the memory of the 1988-1989 Fiesta Bowl, we will join a conference and West Virginia has a home and doesn't stay out in the cold. Like it's just, 
it's a pipe dream. And so wherever we go, it'll be on our own merit. I'm with you. I don't see why the Big Ten has to expand. The Big Ten does not have to expand. The SEC certainly does not have to go to 20 teams like some people are suggesting. Um, the ACC, I think, has the most to lose because they're the next one that, to me, to will be, that will be poached and picked apart. Um, you just have to wait and see what happens. And then maybe West Virginia can make a play then. But Geek, actually, I don't know if you heard what Geek said recently. Mm-mm. He said... He said that West Virginia has been successful in that, you know, no matter what, no matter where, no matter how, they've always been successful. But the other thing he was he said was he expects Oklahoma and Texas to stay until 2025, that the contracts are ironclad, um, and we'll figure it out then. And I just from the outside looking in, I don't agree with him at all. Mm-hmm. I don't agree. That's, but that's what everybody has to say. Like, I understand why everyone's saying that. I understand both sides. Why OU and Texas have to say that. The SEC has to say that. Like, from a legal standpoint, they cannot look like they're trying to make something happen publicly because it can be used against them in court. If you're the Big 12, it would be. be. If you're the Big 12, like, we're going to make them stick. Like, we need to make sure that that is an understood of, like, we're going to make you stay as long as possible. Because we're going to get every nickel and dime out of you possible. And the only way you're going to have a chance to, like, we don't even, we're not even going to give you the idea that an early exit is possible publicly because we want to make sure you understand, like, you, you're, you're giving us because they need, all the other eight schools need the checks, like, period. They, it is, I believe, 80, if they were to try and leave the, in 2022, I believe it's 80 million per school. It's $160 million from Oklahoma and Texas divided eight ways is 20 million a school you're about to go into a cold winter 20 million is not a bad a bad blanket to have to curl up under are you a big 12 basketball obsessed fan and have nowhere to go for just all of your big 12 basketball information look no further because midwest madness is here just for you we talk men's and women's basketball all year long with exclusive interviews, guests that come on to talk about each team, game recaps once the season begins, and so much more content you won't know what to deal with. So for all of your Big 12 basketball needs, Midwest Madness is your place to go. Listen on Anchor, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. So I've been doing this lately because, and I want to wrap up on this, um, I've been doing this lately because I am of the opinion that all eight are going to be stuck together. And maybe some do leave, and I'm happy to be wrong. You know, I've been wrong before. I'll be wrong again. It doesn't bother me. It doesn't hurt my feelings. Um, but I'm going to run with the eight are are forced to fend together in some way. Poach from what G5 schools they can to get back to 12. Because it need to be 12, not 10. Don't don't feed me. the It's a 12-team conference. Get to 12. If the Big 12 has to add four to get back to 12, what four are you adding? That's really tough. You know, the obvious or the, the initial thought from a lot of people is a Cincinnati, Memphis, but I don't see what somebody else said. I don't see why West Virginia would be excited about adding Cincinnati, putting them on the same level and playing field as them, with them being so close in proximity. Um, and when West Virginia has worked so hard to separate themselves from G5 status, to maintain a real legitimate power five status. Um, BYU 
they're another one who sticks to their guns. They have their, their not preferences, but their uh, convictions about not playing on Sunday. And that makes a difference for all of sport. I really don't know. UCF doesn't make any sense geographically, but neither does West Virginia. So <laughs> Spade gone to Spade. It's gone to Spade. <laughs> yeah. Like I just over like I look at it and I don't understand how you come up with something that is a viable power conference from what's left over, regardless of who you take. If you're looking at it just from talent, just from successful programs, just from who can actually make a brand of football yeah. that we like to watch, then Cincinnati and Memphis would be top of my list probably um because i like what luke fickle's doing and i could see him staying there longer than what most people would anticipate just because of his connections to the area and he's a very good coach with great pedigree then if it's just up to me boise and byu i'm a little surprised as much as west virginia seems to recruit from the state of florida and as good as Neil Brown does, John Neil Brown does, that the Florida schools on the East Coast wouldn't be more up to your liking than schools further out West. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I really don't have a strong preference for any of these. You yeah. know, South Florida, we had great times playing them. They gave, you know, that was a pretty good rivalry, not actual like historical rivalry, but yeah. they put together some teams that really – did some damage to the Pat White teams and made it harder than what it should have been sometimes. In fact, causing us to lose sometimes. Um, so that would be fun to play them again. And I like going to see play them when they were playing Raymond James Stadium. Uh, but it's hard to say. I really don't have a good answer for you on that. No, it's fine. It's, it's like everything else. There's no, like, there's no perfect answer. I mean, for you guys, there's the perfect answer of the ACC. Right. Yeah. Actually, the perfect answer is SEC. Like the perfect answer, everybody's SEC. We get it. That's fine. And I still think West Virginia makes a ton of sense in the SEC. But like the perfect answer for for West Virginia is the ACC. It makes sense. It's done. Um, Iowa State is the only other one with the Big Ten that you just go, okay, geographic fit, gonna be fine. Like perfect sense. Everybody else, there's no perfect answer. There's just not. Um, And I get adding isn't everyone it's not a fun conversation it's a less fun conversation now and you're forced to than what it was when oklahoma and texas were around just like can we just get back to 12 and grow and add some just for the sake like because we should um it's a less fun conversation when it feels like you're you're bringing someone up on your level who can compete with you um but it's you know there is a there feels like a collection of what one two three four five six seven about eight schools people keep bringing up that is what combination of those eight, uh, four of those eight, is is that people like the most? Um, I, I am. I, it, it is interesting to me that you picked three of the four that I was certain would probably end up getting the call, and Memphis, who I'm not sure they would. But goodness gracious, I live in Central Arkansas, a two-hour drive to Memphis. It's not a bad idea for me to be able to go watch a few Big Twelve games because it's it, their stadium's awful, but they have Beale Street. They do have Beale Street. It's, it's fun. And they've got Penny Hardaway. <laughs> yes, they do. Yes, they do for now. Uh, Brandon, for now. <laughs> this has been great. I appreciate your time, man, as always. Uh, do me a favor, brother. Can, uh, we're going to check out the work you do covering West Virginia. Well, you can find us in the 1012 Network on iTunes. Of course, our podcast is there with the other pods. And we are pretty much anywhere that you find podcasts under raspy voice kids 
Same thing with our Instagram. Same thing with our Twitter. It's Raspy Voice Kids. Raspy Voice Kids podcast on Facebook. You can find me at I Also Hate It everywhere. And we are everywhere. So just check us out. Find us. And get at us. Guys, whether, whether you're a giant West Virginia fan or not, go check out the show. They do pop culture stuff. They, uh, It's a ton of fun. Like, I'm, I'm so pumped. I, I keep saying it, but I'm so pumped to have you guys. It's such a fun show. You've got so much personality, and I freaking love it. And I'm so happy you guys are part of the network, man. Well, thanks for asking us. Thanks for letting us be a part of it. We're having fun. Podcast Network.